Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Well, that was a dramatic night at Euro 2020. Two groups going down to the wire, but in very different styles. We have got much to discuss today, much to look forward to. And we'll also have a little bit of an update on what's going on in the Copper America as well. So, as ever, let's get right into it. You're not sure Kimmich now. Look at the white shirts flitting around the penalty area. And it's number four. And Gerson's knocks it home. Yeah, hi everyone, David Wiener with you once again. Sunday at the Euros in Australia time, and my goodness, we've witnessed a hell of a lot of exciting action overnight at the European Championship Finals. Nick Stoll, welcome back, great to see you. Refreshed on the long run for the podcast today after a couple of days of Copa America duties for Optus Sport. That's it. That's How it. are you? I'm very good, I'm very good. I'm, I'm ready for a big pod, you know, I'm coming in fresh. John, you're very, football keeps you fresh. Yeah, it does. Especially a morning like that. <laughs> Especially like seeing those games and probably not so much the uh, Spain game. Though I thought they weren't as good uh, today, but, uh, you know, I'm always fresh when I'm watching football. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's start with that. It was probably the least, well, it was definitely the least exciting game of the morning, but it's the freshest in our minds. So we'll start there and work backwards. Spain, of course, with the one-all draw with Poland, the two people, guys, who were probably front and centre in the narrative coming into the game, Avaro Morata, Robert Lewandowski. On the board, what do we make of the game, Nick? Well, I mean, again, it's the same old story for Spain. It's possession, 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 and not taking their chances. It's not to say that they're not creating chances, because they are, but, you know, Morata missed a few, Moreno missed a few. Uh, it's a big issue. But if you look at kind of the stats, um, you know, Spain, two games at obviously Euro 2020, expected goals, they topped the entire tournament. Six expected goals, they've scored one. You know, two draws. It, it, it's a bit of a disaster. They've had 28 shots. I think that's the fifth most. They've had uh, 1,700 passes, by far the most. You know, but for one goal, what's going on? He promised he promised he was coming in on the long run. Yeah. That's a strong impact from Nick. Bang. Well, you know, I look at it and I go, there's not too much Luis Enrique is doing wrong. Yeah. The, the only thing that you can say may be the personnel. You can say maybe he needs a different goal scorer, but they haven't really got other goal scorers in their squad. You look at their midfield. Their midfield with Koke doesn't score many goals. Rodri definitely doesn't score many goals other than a couple of set pieces. And Pedri's not known for his goal scoring. So you're really relying on the front three. He brought in Gerard Moreno uh, this morning. He had an outstanding season, scored a load of goals. And you could see that he was confident. And, you know, he uh, he ended up setting up the goal. Probably he was shooting at goal. And Morata finally gets his goal. And that you think, there's a relief. Now he's going to go on and score two, three, four. But what happens? He goes on and he misses another sitter. To me, it reminds me of, I think the recipe is the same as the classic, you know, Spain golden generation. It's the same tactics that Enrique is using. The ingredients is different. It's not the same player quality. They don't have the David Villa to cut inside and get the goal. They don't have the Iniesta to, to bring out that magic moment. Do you think it's the exact same recipe? Because in a way, as you said, with the expected goals, I feel like there's times there where they do try to up the ante, go a bit more direct for they've got, they don't have Iniesta, but they've got the air apparent in, in 
uh, Pedri. Uh, Moreno provided them an ability to cut in from the right with the left foot. So I thought they were trying to add a little bit more penetration. Yeah, they do. It's not exactly the same, but I think what Nick's saying is that, you know, we know that Spain are going to outpossess. Yeah. We know they're going to have 70% possession, but they do mix it up quite a bit. You saw a lot of their chances come from crosses. Mm. So, you know, it's not like they're, they're just moving the ball from side to side slowly and just keeping possession. No, no, no. Occasionally they'll just go boom. And they'll get a cross in, and whether it comes off or not, they then get the second ball, and then you know they they completely dominate the opposition, and they are creating a number of chances. You just, you know, I think now Danny Olmo needs to step up and score goals. Yeah. Ferran Torres needs to step up and score goals. Um, Marino missed a penalty, uh, and and look, Morata, yes, he's going to be the talking point because he's the one that he's really missing the sitters and he's the one that's getting the clear cut chances and there's a as you mentioned in terms of the balance of the side where they have that ability to keep the ball so many crafty midfielders but I think the story has accentuated because of the absolute pressure on him the, the almost like the 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 icing on the cake for Spain to succeed is Morata and they need him to have the tournament of his life and right now he's having those teething problems as it happens and I look at the Spain side and I go to tre- Russia, not Russia, Sweden, and today's game, I just felt like for all the position they had, there was a little element of stress in the final third because they are creating chances, but they know how deep these sides are. They have to take them to release the pressure valve. And it's going to be no different against Slovakia. We're going to get the exact same thing. So i particularly interested in a striker's perspective. How does Enrique alleviate that burden between now and then? Or given the, you know, the data that Nick shared with us, it's just a matter of a bit of luck and a bit of good fortune going their way. Yeah, there, there is. And um, and it's also like Enrique trying to take the pressure off of them. He took the pressure off of Morata after last game. He said, I'm starting Morata. It's him and 10 others. And, you know, I'm confident in him. And it's my job to get the best out of him. Sometimes when you play at home, in home tournaments, there can be that added pressure. You know, it's worked for Italy. This morning, it definitely worked for Germany, but it's playing against Spain because when you're struggling and, and, and you've got, you're have got you not finding that form that you need to find, all of a sudden, the crowd start to get on your back. And in Spain, they get on your back pretty quickly. They start to whistle. The media gets on your back and you can't escape it. It's mm. there. If you're playing in a foreign country, sometimes you can escape it because you're not r- really listening to the radio or you're watching TV because, you know, I don't understand it mm. or, or whatever else. So you are you are able to actually get away from it. At home, you can't get away from it. You mentioned in the previous pod that you were on that um, Robert Lewandowski looked like he was missing a Thomas Muller. Mm. But in the end today, the pressure that came on Spain was that uh, Poland, after being very defensively solid, actually started to try and make an imprint on the game. And the, and the thing is, when you've got Robert Lewandowski in your side, you know you're only one half chance away from making it a contest. And that's exactly what happened today when he rose for his header, his 54th goal for club or country this season, if you go back to the start of the 2021 season. And Poland's improvement under Paolo Sousa today was the ability to get their striker into the game. And, and they need to, because obviously we all know Lewandowski's quality. He's an incredible striker. But at major tournaments, he hasn't done well for mm. Poland. I think that was his third was goal his in third tw- goal. 13 games mm. or something at major tournaments, Euros and World Cups. And, you know, when you see how Poland plays, you see yeah, there is a real lack of opportunities when you compare it to Bayern Munich, where there's five chances per game for him to score. So, you know, they did well. That was important. I, I, they obviously need to do even more in the final game to... to 
try and get to the next round. I'm not I'm not sure that they will. But you know, yeah, well done to Poland. They did well. But I think, you know, for me, the story is still Spain mm. and their their struggles. You know, even historically since two thousand and twelve, you know, they had this the where they were the peak of football and, you know, the the golden generation. Four wins in major tournaments, five draws, four defeats. Eliminated uh, once at the group stage, eliminated the last sixteen. The four teams they've beaten us in 2014, <laughs> Iran, Czech Republic, Turkey. Not exactly – they haven't really bossed anyone. They haven't really yeah, – if, a if you remember, that even in 2010, they lost 1-0 to Switzerland mm. in the first game, and then their results were 1-0, yeah. 1-0. So even though they're, they're co- <laughs> the quality is there, they always create a number of chances, but they're not a team that takes their chances. Yeah. You know, if, if that was Italy and they created those chances, they would have won 4-5-0 because the Italians half a chance – goal and it's even like the Germans today the Germans and I know we'll move on to it but they didn't put their head down they didn't get anxious in the final third they just kept on playing their start getting to the final third putting balls in yes they got a bit of fortune in terms of own goals but then you know whereas Spain just doesn't look like they're going to score they look like they're 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 waiting for it to miss all the time and uh, and you even see Luis Enrique on the sideline going what else do we have to do to actually well, score a goal that's where I want to end off with this I want to ask you about Luis Enrique because I know you spent some time studying him watching him at, at close quarters in Barcelona and um, the stakes are very clear I mentioned at the top that there were two groups going down to the wire this group is going down to the wire almost because of a dearth of opportunities across it Nina has to prepare for Slovakia Sweden of course who are on four points in pole position play Poland this is a tight group what do you think makes Luis Enrique tick that he gets this side to reach their potential in this tournament which for a Spanish generation this might not be their peak it might be still to come but how can he get them to their best now he will definitely shield them from all the pressures he'll definitely shield them from the media um, and hit the style of football that he plays, it definitely is good enough to win football games. He knows he hasn't got the striker. That, that's been spoken about for, for years in Spain. That, you know, when he was at Barcelona, he had Suarez, Neymar and Messi up in the front three. No Spanish strikers. He had all foreigners. And it, within the Spanish side, you, you can see that. But the way they're playing their football, they'll still create chances and he'll just get them to believe. Just, boys, we're playing well. We're playing good enough to win these football games. Once we get that first win, which they have to against Slovakia, it will click. We'll finish top of the table. We'll end up going into, if Sweden don't win, we'll end up going to the next round. And knockout football, Spain can win because you saw only a few months ago when they beat Germany Mm. 6-0 against those bigger sides. They don't sit off. They, they, they come at you and try and play. That suits Spain. I, I would be really disappointed if we don't get to see a Spain side in a, I don't want to say a proper game, but not in a game against a side that you know is going to be a plucky, defensive, reactive team. I actually want to see Spain in a proper head-to-head football match. Well, we did see that in the Nations League when Germany went at them and they won 6-1. So yeah. when the pitch opens up, sometimes yeah. they can get a lot of goals. Yeah. So it, that is possible. But if you kind of look at Spain possibly finishing second in this group, they would then face um, the team that finishes second in the group with England, Czech Republic and Croatia, which right now looks like the Czech Republic, which wouldn't be the worst knockout tie for Spain you know, in the round of 16 if they were to get there. No, it wouldn't be. And and with the Czech Republic, they also try and press. Mm. You know, they're, they're not a team that sits off. That's not in their nature at the moment with this coach. So that would probably suit them. It could even be England because you just don't know what's going to happen in that last game. Um, but you, I, I actually think that Spain will finish top. I, I don't see Sweden actually winning against Slovakia. I, I think that they're going to struggle. Sweden no, against sorry. Poland. Yeah. Sweden against Poland. I think that Poland will end up uh, winning the game and going through. Well, that would be uh, good for Poland because they're the, t- the team that comes into each major tournament with an outstanding qualifying record but can't ever 
translate that into the major tournament. So they might be leaving their run to a good time here. All right, Group E, it's the tight group. Group F, this is the this is the this is the blockbuster group, the headline group, the movie group, the every group group of death. Because it is the group of death, <laughs> and it's just got even harder because it's not three teams. Oh, it's four teams. You you've been waiting to say this all <laughs> tournament. Uh, we know your Hungarian background. Uh, you don't need to mention it every time they play that they're they're going to finish top of the group. They can't finish top, Dave. This is we got this relationship <laughs> now. I didn't even say anything. I just went. There's four teams in the group, and you've just gone whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great this morning. It, it will last night. It, um, I'm getting mixed up with the, the times and the days, but um, you know, w- with the crowd, yeah. you know, we've missed crowds. We we keep on saying it, but seeing them in that full house. And and driving their team forward, it was unfortunate they didn't get the win. Um, but a point, great because they're still in. They're, they are still in it. They're still in with a chance. And I know they need to go to Germany, and that's that's going to hurt them a little bit because after watching Germany yeah. this morning, I, I think it's going to be a tough one for you, Dave. Well, we'll yeah, we'll stick with we're on the France Hungary game now, so we'll stick with that. We'll end with the big one, arguably the game of the tournament so far. But the thing about Hungary, even though if they do go to Germany and it's and it's a bridge too far. What they've done in this group, Nick, is with their result with France, every minute of action with Hungary counts. That includes Portugal's three points now that are so precious for them. Their goal difference in that game, they've set the cat amongst the pigeons. Yeah, I think when they got this draw, they would have known it would have obviously been extremely difficult. Although having the two home games where you get to see, you know, the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo and Mbappe and all these wonderful players come to your country, come to your stadium, that would have been huge. The full stadium, that's incredible. So it was always going to be memorable. But the fact that they've showed that they could compete in both games as well. Yeah, it was 3-0 against Portugal. But, you know, it was right at the end that they Mm. they were keeping them close. So they They've done extremely well, but yeah, I think like you're saying, Germany next game in Germany, that's a step too far. I think, you know, I'm, I'm. What do you think? No, I think given Germany's form today, absolutely. But the thing about Hungary and like actually most of the teams of that tier in this competition, they've actually defended exceptionally well, showed great character, well organised. One of the things that was a theme in our chat with Bridgie yesterday about England was that they might not have the quality overall, but they have an identity, a style, a clear game plan, an eleven, and I think that's borne fruit for them here in this tournament and and against France a little bit more of attacking intent which they probably you know let's face it they've rode their luck a little bit against Portugal and we're looking for a chance on on the counter punch but I thought from Didier Deschamps's point of view um, he was pretty frustrated today I would be frustrated as well because also Benzema's not firing yet Mm. and uh, you know you saw one of his uh, opportunities he had this morning he actually snatched at it and and that's very unlike him because with Real Madrid he you know he puts those away Uh, is it the pressure growing on him as well because he's been out for so long, you know, six years since he played for the national team. This is the first major tournament for, uh, you know, all those years as well. So it, it looks like they need him to fire if they want it because Mbappe, yep, we know what he's going to do. Griezmann seems to be the one stepping up all the time and scoring important goals, but they need Benzema to fire. And also Dembele coming on and then getting an injury. Dembele, his entire career kind of is summed up by, you know, coming on, doing well, injury straight away. And that would also be a huge frustration because he was a bit of an X factor. Come off the bench. He's so good. Right foot, left foot, can cut in, can go outside. You know, to not have that, and it looks like he's going to be out for the rest of the tournament, that's a big blow. Yeah, it is a big blow. And uh, especially when you want to win tournaments, you need those players to come in and actually make an impact. And Dembele is one of those players that can. Obviously now he's out, but uh, so it's up to Komen and and the likes to actually come in and make sure they step up. It's interesting with Benzema because everyone said, myself included, when he came in, this takes the best team to another level. But the pressure there is in that, 
he has to take them to another level because you're knocking off Giroud, who has played that perfect role for them this whole time. And and I could be clutching a straw. I'm pretty sure I saw in the wee hours that I was watching the highlights of this that um, Giroud and Mbappe were again doing a few of, you know, what are you doing? What's that? Why are you taking that option? Gulachi made, who made some stunning saves, made a save off Mbappe, and I could just see Giroud standing there, sort of gesturing, going, "Hello, I was just here for the tap in." So that's another issue as well. But we spoke about wanting to see Spain in a proper game. To be frank, the way France play, I actually enjoy the fact that um, in the big games we're able they're able to get that goal and then protect it. Well, you know what? It was good to see them actually get a bit of pressure on them because that's the next step they've got to take and we're going to learn in this tournament if they've got that in their locker. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, France, this right now it's like a football empire, but empires crumble from within, right? And that's what I feel like is happening with Benzema, Giroud, Mbappe. There's a friction there. Like Benzema did say... I'm a, you know, a Ferrari compared to this go-kart, basically, about Giroud. You know, that's a huge thing to say about a teammate. That does cause friction. You know, we know the French have had that problems in the past. Yeah, with, it's with very unlike the French, isn't it, to have <laughs> friction in a squad? And, and arrogance <laughs> with that. But, you know, I, I just think we know how talented France are. But that's the thing that's going to hurt them is, is friction within the camp. And, and maybe that plays out in frustrating games where you can't break down a team, where you go one nil down against a hostile crowd. And, and that's what I think we saw today. And, you know, a good goal from Griezmann, an important goal, his seventh goal in a European championship. But, yeah, there are some issues for the French. So when they take on a Portugal game with the stakes on the line, will we see what we saw against Germany? Were they at that elite level football where they are in their zone? Or are there issues with France that... that you know, as Nick alluded to, or tactically that you think Deschamps has to solve still? No, I don't think you'll see a free-flowing French national team because Deschamps doesn't play that way. He's very pragmatic. He's, he makes sure that they're solid, they're hard to beat, catches teams on the counter with the pace of Benzema, then the quality of the front third. Um, and I'll, I think that's going to happen against Portugal. I think that uh, he will allow Portugal to actually come at them a little bit and, and maybe try and uh, hurt them on the counter-attack. But, uh, so you won't see the same system that the Germans use because they don't play that way. They play, you know, very simple, either 4-4-2 diamond or 4-2-3-1, you know, a very simple way of playing football in terms of the way he likes his teams to play. They've definitely got the players to play a more attractive way, but he doesn't. Not under this manager. The, the shame or the irony about all this for the Hungarians in front of that crowd was for the resolute defending and the way they played was they conceded the goal of a, of a long punt and a bad clearance. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get to that goal... I, I, I hope it's on the socials, that celebration from the Hungarians when they scored the goal and they ran over and scared that poor lady hey, who that said, was not watching. Who said football <laughs> journalism was not a, a dangerous industry? <laughs> That's right. I mean, you know, the balls can hit you in the head. We've seen that in times to time, but she did look a bit like, oh, sorry, I was just doing my job here. The, the thing is, I don't know if she was doing her job. I don't know if she was watching. Okay, but, but this is what I'll say. <laughs> she was but, caught out. I don't know what she was doing. But when you do a live game, actually, and I don't know if she was writing down notes or something, but sometimes when a goal happens you're so desperate to capture everything that's happening in the moment that you are head down yeah. just focusing on yeah. the thing which maybe is what was happening you're like okay I'll, I won't worry about the celebrations too much and then boom but anyway she'll be a meme forever and part of yeah. uh, Hungarian football history it's brilliant well her dance when you're like, well, what do I do now? She just does the little, the little awkward jig. Um, is that, that awkward there? jig's a little bit like Dave Davudic's awkward See, jig. Uh, that was exactly. I was going to say. Are we on the same wavelength? I'm, I'm a bit worried. I'm a bit worried now. We're on the same <laughs> wavelength. Too much time on the couch together. <laughs> um, 
Dave has got competition for the worst dancer <laughs> of the Euro 2020. <laughs> we have to put a package up of Dave in every place he goes to, what type of dance he does. Because I think it depends on the ethnic race. Because, you know, I think if Greece were in there, would have been doing the Zorba. Yeah. Uh, well, you, if, if he does a bit of copper, Colombia can do the hip stand yeah, line. Yeah. Kira, you know. The Italians will do the Tarantella. I'm sure he'll do that. Hey, I invited him onto the podcast today, but given he is not, this is what happens. We're just talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> now we've discussed it uh, in reference now we can discuss it in depth Portugal against Germany John the game of the tournament oh, brilliant oh, you know what I love the way German uh, the German national team played of course the first 15 minutes all over Portugal all over them Portugal can't even get out of their own half corner against and then Ronaldo wins the header and he sprints up the field and I saw why he's still able to sprint up the field because after the game he took off his top and his body is, oh, we've seen it many times yeah. but it just gets better and better yeah he's not drinking Coca-Cola no. I mean it's, it's pretty clear <laughs> yeah and then to get up the other end it was a great counter-attack good goal but the Germans didn't panic but can I ask you just on that counter-attack, what did you think about Kai Havertz? Because they've left him back there kind of in a typical way of you put your centre-backs, you know, for the corners because they're taller, they can get on the end of the head. You kind of put your smaller, thinner players just to protect. Yeah. He didn't really protect very No, nah, they well. didn't protect. They, did, they didn't protect. If you see it, there's actually no one in the position outside mm. the box in a good area. You know, they're more worried about we want to score instead of, yeah, we want to score, but we also have to make sure that defensively we're in a good position because, you know, they do get caught out. But um, and it's because of the quality as, as well of mm-hmm. uh, Portugal because Bernardo Silva plays a great pass and then um, you know, just a tap in and in the end for Ronaldo. But you know it was it was great movement from Jota as well. So, but then the Germans didn't panic. They kept on playing. They kept on playing their stuff. Now we we can talk about systems. We can talk about all that stuff. Germany have been playing with three at the back with their wing backs and their wing back on the left side, Gosens was probably that was the game of the tournament because he was involved in everything got in positions to score, uh, he set up goals. But the reason why, and this is where Yogi Lowe was very, very good tactically, he created an overload on the right side. He actually had Muller, Havertz and Kimmich very close together, rotating on that side, and he left Gnabry virtually in the centre. What happens there, it shifts the four Portuguese players, the defenders, all over to one side. And when they quickly get out the other side, Gussens is left in about 40, 50 metre space, no one close to him. And they kept on doing it time and time again. I think that um, Portugal tried to change it at halftime, took, over, uh, took off Bernardo Silva, put uh, uh, Sanchez, I think it was. Renato. Renato Sanchez, Sanchez yeah. Uh, in that position to actually make sure he tracked back Gosens. He didn't do his job. So then he moved him out and put Rafa Silva in that position to make sure that he would track back. He didn't do his job and then Gosens gets a, a header in the back stick. It was great tactical battle and Germany won that. Um, do you think in the Portuguese press, Fernando Santos is getting uh, criticised quite a bit? Do you think, like, he has made those changes and the players haven't done their jobs? Do you think it's fair criticism, or at a certain point, do you have to say, well, he's tried multiple solutions, they haven't worked, but is that his fault or is that more on the players? A little bit of both, because I I expect that he would have told them what to do and they didn't do their job. So I would expect them not to play next game or he will make changes there because, you know, it's very hard when you're playing against that sort of system. The back four will get shifted. Mm. It's, it's, it's natural that's going to happen. So the, the player on the other side. So 
You either have to keep it in that one side, but against Germany, when they shift the ball so quick, one, two, touch, it's going to open up on the other side. Then you need to ha- have your, your midfielders or your wingers coming back and tracking and defending. But I will say as well, it, it's a little bit, um, you know, the Portuguese do like to defend for long periods anyway, so that's probably why he's copping the criticism. It's not for the changes that he was trying to do his job. It was like, you know, we're Portugal. We should be able to play on the front foot. Mm. Look at the players we have, yeah. you know, and until the second half, they didn't do that. Yeah. In the second half, they started to do it more, and you go, this is a better Portuguese mm. side. You know, with those players there, that quality, they shouldn't be sitting off for long periods. But I've wondered that because if people have you – can, you can look at things through rose-tinted glasses. They were a pretty abject – European champions five years ago, oh, if you think about it. Awful, and awful. this he has got the cattle to do whatever he wants in this tournament. And I was really intrigued to see whether the style would evolve. Obviously, he's got no chance to, uh, um, you know, tr- ease into the tournament because of the group. So he's, you know, under pressure straight away. But I've seen no sign of these four, five, six attacking players fluently combining. I'm, I'm not seeing that yet. And I've got to sort it out pretty damn quickly. Um, do you... I mean, Bruno Fernandes, what we're talking about, Portugal, I mean, I've hardly seen him in both games. Because he's the type of player that needs the ball. You know, he's not the player that needs to be running back all the time. He's not. He's a player that needs to be on the ball, needs his team to dictate the play. And Portugal just don't do that enough. And, and with the side that they've got, they should be able to do it. So Yogi Lowe got, came into this tournament much maligned. And, and rightly so. They've had a terrible record in recent times. Um, and... A lot of people in Germany, I think the, the main things I saw was Joshua Kimmich on the right when he's obviously such an accomplished midfielder and also the back, the back three with the wing backs. I mean, that's you just don't see that very often. But he's gone out there today and proved a point with an Atalanta flyer at left back. As John said, probably the individual performance of the tournament. It's a, He's got a long way to go to have that you know great final fling, but it's a really good turbocharge for him. Yeah, and I, and I think you know from Yoki Lowe's perspective, it's actually really smart to go, okay, well... Yeah, Kimmich is such an amazing player. We need to get him more involved. Let's shift it out to the right. Let's get the overloads happening there. So it's almost like that is the the center of the pitch because of the I guess the gravitational yep. pull. Mm. And then he gets it out to uh, Grossens. The other thing as well to mention on a Portugal thing, they don't have João Cancelo. That's a big out. You know, he got uh, COVID. No, but did you get yeah, injured? COVID. Got, got yeah, COVID, COVID before the tournament. I'm sorry, with all the Copper America cases, I, I seem to think COVID doesn't mean you have to stop playing. But anyway, <laughs> um, oh but dear. but João Cancelo, uh, he got COVID. That's a big out. It was on his. He would have been the starting right back. It was on that side that Gosens had such an amazing thing. Also, when you think about them in possession, how much he gives you going forward in the warm up games. He was getting assists, scoring goals. I think it's an out that maybe people are underestimating how much damage that's actually done because Nelson Semedo, and I support Barca, I've seen some awful performances from Nelson Semedo, another one today. Yeah, but he didn't get helped either. He didn't have any support from the the wider players tracking back. But yeah, look, Portugal, they've got a lot of work to do uh, if they want to get through this round and uh, and also get deep into the tournament. But um, yeah, I just love the way that Germany... The best decision Yuki Lowe made was bringing back Muller because... What a difference they've, they've made. Look, he didn't get on the score sheet. I don't even think he set up a goal. But, uh, you know, just analysing his movement yeah. and his coaching out there and, and the way he was actually able to rotate with Kimmich, able to rotate with Havertz. Havertz is the one that's... Uh, the, he's actually been the one that's uh, gained the most out of Muller being there because taking taken the pressure off of him. And he's Havertz looks like a new player. He, he looks like he did for Chelsea Confidence. at the end of the season. Can I ask, is Muller the most intelligent player 
we've ever seen in terms of positioning because other players are faster, better technique, all these. But here, year after year, tournament after mm. tournament, popping up in the right places, both creating and scoring. He's such an intelligent player. What do you think? He's the most intelligent player? Look, I don't know about the most intelligent player. He's definitely up there with them because you look at Muller, he's not tall, he's not strong, he's not lightning quick, and he doesn't even have a great touch. And you go, and he's still one of the best players, you know, in that German national team. And he's been, you know, one of the best players for Bayern Munich for years. So his movement is so good. Mm. His thinking, he sees the game well. And you see it. He's coaching out there. He's finding the space. He's telling the others where to go. Muller, don't underestimate that. Bring him back. And I don't know why he dropped him anyway. <laughs> so he looks like a genius of fixing the biggest blunder of his complete tenure. <laughs> I tell you what, you ask, is he the most intelligent player I've ever seen? I can't even say if he's the most. I tell you what, he's... He's up there with Ian Robin as the oldest player I've ever seen <laughs> play live. Jogulo put him out to pasture at 29 years old. Yeah, I, he's one of those ones, he broke onto the scene early and he looked quite old, like when he broke in early. So I remember Lucas Mora. Luca, I remember looking up Lucas Mora's age once and he was only like 28. And I was like, oh yeah, because when you were like 19, you were already balding. <laughs> and so it feels like you've been around forever and ever, the Ian Robin uh, phenomenon. But yeah, Mora, you know, like we say, he's... He's not someone you'd look at and go, that's going to be... He's not Cristiano Ronaldo taking his yeah, shirt off, no, but he's no. the one, you know, who won today. Yeah, and, and he's definitely a leader. That, that's, yeah. that's for sure. Not only on the pitch, but off the pitch. So, in conclusion, uh, taking out of this game, is it the seismic improvement in Germany that has them really confident of going through a group that five days ago people were saying they're going to miss out entirely? Or is it uh, Portugal now with a lot to solve in a so- short space of time? What's the, what's the conclusion and, and, and follow on from this game? Oh, the conclusion is that uh, whoever's facing Germany in the second round, the round of 16, look out, and that could be England. Um, look, I, I still think France, well, it depends on their last game, but you know they're, they're going to be at least top two. Uh, maybe if Portugal win, they finish top. So it, it's, it's one of those ones, Dave. I'm getting confused because those three teams, you know and you believe they will all get through, but incredible. Yeah, like France have got Portugal in their last game. That's not going to be easy. Portugal need to probably win that if they want to finish top. Portugal's opening game three goals against Hungary could be absolutely pivotal yep. to make sure they go through in third if France do a job on them, in the, not do a job, get the points against them in the next game. And for you, um, Nick, going through, well, I mean, I think I think it's going to be all three will go through mm. because I think you'll get enough points and goals and that, that's going to help. Um, but Jeremy, it's really interesting because I think we were saying a couple of days ago, sometimes the first game we overreact. Sometimes we think a team is too good. Sometimes we think, ah, oh, you know, they're not good enough. Kind of Germany today, it's like, you know, two games. Now we see a bit more of them. I think Germany's a team to be feared in this tournament. Yeah, I, I think they played well in the first game yeah. as well. They were very unlucky to lose that game. You know, they dominated. They, they probably didn't create the chances like they did today, but they were very good against France. The big thing for me was uh, the, the speed of their ball movement in that game. I thought they would struggle to break down Portugal playing like that again today, but they've gone they've gone to the next level. Which yeah. and, and I kind of think that they might top the group. The, the only thing that can be their downfall after watching them two games is that because they dominate so much, they get caught on the counter-attack yeah. and, they, and they don't have necessarily the pace at the back to be able to deal with your Mbappes. And even today, you saw the counter-attacking goal, you know, that they got caught out again. So that's the only thing that could be their undoing. But if they score more goals in the opposition, then it won't be. No, I think you might have been right. Well, I think you might have been right that it might be too much for Hungary in the next game in Munich. So if Germany win and win well, the pressure is on France to to 
otherwise if it's a draw if it's a draw in the other game they go through well the they top. play they play at the same time so that that's going to be quality isn't it because no brilliant. one knows what's going on and then you listen to the radio and people are on the bench going who's winning do we go for the game or do we sit off that's the most exciting bit about the the third game in the group stage we're actually sensationally poised for the next week as we go into the final match well, day i was supposed to go home today dave Back to Brisbane, see my family. I'm staying down because I want to be in the studio watching it with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, we'll be finishing each other's sentences by the end of that. I'm really worried about that. <laughs> you mentioned, Nick, we've seen every team twice. We make big first impressions after the first game. Gareth Southgate's a genius. Next game, Harry Kane, he's going to go sign for, I don't know, Swindon Town or something. Uh, <laughs> we've seen all the teams now. Yeah. Robin Gosen's the best individual performance so far? What rivals that? Who? Which player? I know there's so much football that has been a blur. probably rivals Locatelli, yeah, yeah. I love, yeah. good shout. Yeah, good I, shout. I, I think that, uh, look, Ronaldo scored two in the first game, but he didn't really have an outstanding game, you know. De Bruyne's 45-minute cameo. Oh, yeah. You know, I know it's not a full game, but, you know, in his little moment there, he's, re- he's really shone. We've seen, you know, and this is the thing, I think it's been a great tournament and it, there was a potential for it not to be with all the issues that were happening coming in. We talked about tired players that played so many games, yep. COVID, the travel. I love it. I love the scenes in Hungary, all the different stadiums. I love the 12 different cities in Scotland and England. It's been amazing. And I think, you know, like we say, so many of these groups are still finely poised. I was worried that this third team going Mm. through can lead to some really bad games. But for the most part, excellent games, excellent performances. How many games have been played? I'm not going to put you on the spot, Dave, because there's been a lot. And really, we can only say one game was boring, and that was Sweden-Slovakia. And lucky I I fell asleep during that game. 18 games. I think it's been 18 Yeah, games. and so nearly every game has got its talking points. It's exciting. Uh, most teams are trying to play. Yes, if they do sit off, it's, you know, their defensive structure that's interesting to watch. But um, it, it's been fantastic so far. Well, and it's simmering. It's been great, but it's boiling along to some incredible knockout matchups. And I would say the only out-and-out disappointment would probably be Turkey. Yeah, yeah, I, I think what we were saying before, the biggest disappointment of the tournament. And one thing is that's good, we haven't seen any teams, you know, get smashed or, you know, just make up the numbers, which sounds like even, you know, North Macedonia and some of these smaller teams coming through, they've been competitive. They've given us really kind of cool, interesting stories. And, and I think that's fantastic. And that to me is like the early rounds is about that, the new teams making their debut, the Finlands and this type of thing. And then as it goes on in the tournament, the serious business begins. We start seeing the heavyweights play off against each other. And, you know, France, Germany, Germany, Portugal, that was a preview of that and both yeah. those games were yeah. crackers. They talk about Robin Gerson's today possibly adding a, a couple of million to his asking price of 40 million from Atalanta if they want to make a quid. Uh, Denzel Dumfries is probably one for me in that in that category that he's one that when you look at transfer talk he's always been in it with that graduation from the Eredivisie onwards but he's put himself in the shop window here with his performances for the Dutch who actually in terms of pleasant surprises have probably been up there for their attacking intent as well so yeah, yeah a lot of nice little nice little things just simmering for us going into the next uh, the next match day Can I just say on Dumfries we've got a story coming out in the next day or two about um, some of the Socceroos that have played with uh, these Eurostars Dumfries is one of them Kenneth Dougal was playing with him at Sparta Rotterdam oh. says he has the <laughs> worst fashion sense you've ever seen and someone else should dress him <laughs> so there's all these good little tidbits that are coming out uh, about that but Dumfries absolutely killing it I just don't know if you know he's got the threads to match it 
I will not be commenting on that <laughs> on that genre one bit whatsoever. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with your orange top, Dave. It was all I do is walk in, I see a hanger with my name on, and I put it on, and then after I like get it. back into my tracksuit. It's <laughs> oranje, oranje. It's all good. Um, Nick, you've been the last couple of days. Jake's been on the podcast because you've been on deadline watching Copper America for us. All we've been doing, basically talking gibberish for about yep. thirty minutes, forty minutes. Um, I mean, I know it's a tournament that's got a really weird atmosphere, but if you can distill it down to just footballing matters, yep. um, what, have, what have you enjoyed and taken out of it? Okay, well, the first thing yesterday, Chile, Ben Brereton, not exactly the most Chilean name you've ever heard. That's because he was born in Stoke, raised in England, plays for Blackburn. It was his second ever game for Chile. It was his first ever start. Nine minutes in, he qualifies because his mother was Chilean. He's never, I don't, he doesn't speak Spanish. When they showed him doing the anthem, he was very silent, just nodding his head like, yep, good That's to be here. That's a great story. Thank you. Yeah. He scores after nine minutes. He scores the winner. And, you know, you could really see the emotion for him. And he's, he's been called the, you know, uh, Big Ben now is what they're calling him in uh, Chile. Brilliant. So that that's a great story. Uh, you know. So he's the Harry Sutar of, of Chilean football. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, you know, another stat on this, uh, I think um, 65 footballers at Euro 2020 are playing for a country that they weren't born in. So we're seeing this more and more. You know, we're seeing it with the soccer. Oh, it was a chance for Hungary. See, it was, it was the wrong technicality. It wasn't. It was only footballing ability. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, what? <laughs> what sport did you want to represent Hungary in? <laughs> um, so, you know, that, that was an incredible story from Chile. Yesterday, Argentina versus Uruguay. Ah, listen, Messi was killing it. I know I'm a massive Messi fan, but assist, nine dribbles, taking them on. When he's in form, oof, he's so, so good to watch. I think everyone should watch him every single time. It, it annoys me that everyone says that Messi's not a tournament player. Messi hasn't performed for Argentina. Messi got them to the World Cup final that year. He didn't perform in the final, but he got them there. You know, Messi is the best in the world. I know that a lot of Cristiano uh, Ronaldo fans will disagree and get upset about it and say, oh, Ronaldo performs more than Messi. And But Messi's a genius. Just look at the stuff that he does. And people don't realise Argentina, Uruguay, they hate each other. Yeah. They hate yeah. each other. It's, it's, a, it's a derby and a half. And so for Messi to turn it on in a game like that, yeah. brilliant. Well, and the big story out of that as well is you know, Uruguay, what an amazing a team, you know, historically two-time world champion, always punching above their weight in a really bad spot. Mm. Four games they've gone, they haven't scored a goal. It's their worst, equal worst in history. They obviously have to score their in their next game. Their strikers are rubbish. Well, this is the thing. <laughs> Suarez and Cavani are still starting up front. You know, they're 33, 34 years old. There's that aging core is a bit of an issue, but... The real issue is this, they're not getting the yeah, service. The midfield the is, is not creating. Um, you know, you've got Lucas Torreira in there. You've got uh, Ben Asur in there. Um, you know, so there, there's some quality in there, but it's just not working out. And um, Oscar Tarabres, who's been the coach for about 150 mm. years there, uh, 74 years old. A lot of their success, Copper America wins, World Cup semifinals, is because of him. But now it's starting to feel, and he, since 74, he's going through a bit of an illness as well. You'll see him with crutches. They love him in Uruguay. He is a national hero. But at a certain point, you know, the pressure starts building. And I know they're never going to say, we're going to fire you because he's too much of a legend. But you're going into the worst run in your history and, and it's going to cost you, you know, Copper America. Now, the only thing is four teams out of five get through from the group. So they're most likely going to get through the group. Maybe they can build a bit of. So what are you momentum. saying? He should walk? <laughs> No, I, I'm just... Uh, away on his crutches? Okay, or? all right, all right. Don't, 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 give me, don't put me in that position. But what I'm saying is sometimes, and we've seen this before, 
national heroes become hard to yeah. replace, mm. whether they're players, whether they're coaches. Yep. Sometimes the past success actually hinders the future success because you're holding on to that that nostalgia, that memory of what has gone before. And no one is ever going to be able to say, like Totti at Roma, no one yep. could ever say it's time for mm. you to go. And when it when it happens, it's, it's very ugly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you're keeping an eye on that for us through the tournament. And uh, next up, it's tomorrow. You're back on, back on deck Monday with a couple of couple of games there to keep us ticking over. We will also be back with the Euros action. It's a quieter night Monday morning Australian time, but still lots to play for as Group A goes down to the wire. Italy, we know, are through. Can they top the group? They play Wales, who are looking to build on the heroics from the last Euros, get through to the round of 16. To do that, they will want to make sure they get a point because Switzerland will be uh, hoping to cash in against Turkey and take Wales' spot in second and then make Wales play out for that, uh, you know, sweat that third place. So the Azzurri... They might make changes. They talk about Verratti coming in, Chiesa and some others, but they want to nail down first spot, which makes this a really interesting game again. Yeah, absolutely. And and what I kind of want to ask you guys is, we're going to spend the next couple of days looking at, okay, this team can play this team and this team can play this team. And maybe they should finish, you know, second, third and there's strategy behind it. What are you guys thinking about that generally? Do you think it actually hinders you if you start trying to play for draws and, and maybe finish second? Because I, sometimes I think... Maybe you're going to get a harder opponent in the mm. round of 16, but the momentum of three wins can sometimes be better. John, what yeah, do you think? I don't think you can play for a draw anyway and, and say, oh, we, we must. What ends up happening the last 10 minutes of a game, then, okay, we're through and we're in a position that we like. And then, yeah, you might actually. Beca- but you can't go into a game going like, say, England, for instance. If they get a draw against Czech Republic, then they're going to finish second. Czech will go on top. And you go, then, you know, that they won't have to meet, you know, either France, Germany. Mm. or Portugal, I don't think they'll be thinking that because they'll end up going into the round of 16 with two draws, mm. you know. That, that, that's unheard of for England. They should be going in the round of 16 full of confidence, momentum. They, they've got another win and then, you know, face whoever they have to face. And tournament football, you need to build. You can't, in the space of three games, take two steps back and then go, oh, we're going to pass this one. I think Italy's a nice position to be in because they are through and actually to kick on you want to make sure your Verratis and Chiesas are getting some minutes and, and they would arguably think we're not losing anything by bringing one of these players in we're actually building the depth and the harmony of the squad and you can probably patch over it if they do go down and go well we've got Locatelli to come back in for the next game or we've got Berardi to come back into the next game so it's a good position to be in um, Switzerland I've got a feeling that they might actually end up second I mean it depends. Do we get Brian Bolo from the first game? If so, then yeah, that could be a definitely. But from the second game, not so much. I don't. It, it it's very interestingly poised that kind of second place. Wales, you know, Wales were quite good in the second yep. game. I thought, and and there's some quality there. But again, you know, I don't want to overreact to the first yeah. game. I don't mm. want to overreact to the second game. Yeah. It leaves the third game to be incredibly exciting. Well, the, the positive thing for Wales is that Gareth Bale was good in the second game, and so was Ramsey. So if those two are playing well, they can actually hurt teams. And uh, look, you expect the Italians to have too much. They're playing at home, the, the way they'll play their football. But, um, you know, individually, especially those two, they can hurt any side. And the other thing is Turkey, they need to, for pride, they yeah. need to absolutely have a really good game because we know there is quality there. But it just hasn't worked out for them at all in this tournament. No, I think Wales will get through. It's just that if obviously if the Azzurri take their favouritism and they do win this game, and Switzerland do take the opportunity to win the game, then it could come down to goal difference uh, for that second spot. Um, but if it's that tight, you'd think Wales will go through. Gents, much to look forward to for the week. We're nine days down, ten days down. I can't count anymore, but we've got a lot 
to go. We're only just getting started. The entree is over. Now we're into the, the first sort of set of um, matches with consequences. And then we're into the knockout phases. Nick, John, thanks so much for spending Sunday morning with us. Thank you so much. Loved it. Can't wait till tomorrow. Do it all again. Everyone out there as ever. Hope you enjoyed this episode of The Gagging Pod. Hope you've enjoyed all of Optus Sports coverage through the Euros in Copa America. As ever and always, until the next episode, enjoy your football.